Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I had an amazing conversation with Morgan Lander and S.J. Jones about Kitty Pig. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Welcome to the Punk Rock and Beer Podcast. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty. This is the Punk Rock NBA Podcast. Today's guest is a little bit of a left turn for the show. His name is Andre Feely, and he is a UFC fighter. I think he fought uh, two or three weeks ago or something in the co-main event. He fights at 145, but in addition to being one of the better UFC fighters at his weight class, he's also a Sad Boy Pop Punk fan. Didn't really see that one coming. I mean, there's lots of crossover between like metal and hardcore and MMA and jiu-jitsu, but not too many people who are like self-proclaimed Midwest emo Sad Boy Twinkle Daddies like Andre. So we talk about how he got his start in fighting, what made him believe that he could do it from such a young age, how he got hooked up with Team Alpha Male in Sacramento, where he's been for like 10 years or so and a lot of other stuff that you will find interesting if you're a fight fan and even if you're not i think it's a pretty good conversation especially in the last half we get into some stuff that i am really excited and passionate about just as far as the value of combat sports as like a way of making the world a better place i guess i don't know sounds a little crazy when i say it like that but if you listen i think it makes sense at least i hope so so I'm really excited about this one. Before we get into it, I wanted to mention a couple ways that you can support the podcast if you would like to. The easiest way is just to share it on social media, whether that's Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Bebo, Orcut, Tumblr, we don't care. Just tag us, tag the guest. It really helps a lot. Number two, if you would like to buy some merch, there's a link to that in the show notes. Got some really cool stuff coming out soon as well as hats for everybody who asked. And number three, if you really, really like us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. Patrons get access to every show a week early. There's a members-only private Discord server that I'm in all the time. There's a way to have me review your band or video or design or illustration portfolio or anything else you might want to get my eyes on or ears on. So if that sounds like something you would like to check out, you can hit the link in the show notes. And with that out of the way, let's get into this episode. Welcome to the podcast, Andre Feely. What's up? That's my podcast voice. Yeah, dude. Hey, everybody. It's like your customer service voice when you answer the phone, completely different. <laughs> Hello, this is Andre. May I help you? Yes, this is Andre. May I help you find something? That when I worked at Target, that was what you had to do. You had to go, can I help you find something? And it like, it like, you have to ask every guest that you see, even calling them a guest. Like that's how programmed I am from my three years of working there. <laughs> right. Like you're just like, as anytime you see anyone, can I help you find something? Can I help you find something? Can I help you find something? Like I say it in my fucking sleep to this day. I haven't worked for Target for 10 years. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess they did a good job of programming you. Shout out to Target, man. Target's a cool place. I like Target. I don't care what anybody says. Target's sick. I'm a fan. We go there. I mean, especially now, there's nowhere else you can go. So we go to Target all right. the time just because there's nothing a. else to do. It's the last fucking bastion of regular life. Civilization. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Well, speaking of which, you just had a fight uh, at, as, that was at Fight Island, right? No, I actually fought in um, Vegas, thankfully. I, I'm not interested in fighting in Fight Island. Am I? But you you did one of the ones where they did the... Yeah. 
Okay, yeah. How, how was that? I fought with no crowd two times now, but I've done it in Vegas. So, so UFC is basically running two shows. They're running a show. They're running the same show, but it's either in Vegas or on Yaz Island. Yeah, you basically have two options. You have fighting in Abu Dhabi, or you have fighting in Vegas. And I, I choose Vegas every time. Oh yeah, because, for sure. You know, it's save yourself a sixteen-hour flight or a twenty-something-hour flight or whatever yeah, it is. Fuck that. It's just so much easier at fighting in. Um, like one, it's like fight one. It's like take an hour long flight or take a twenty something hour flight. Yeah, it's easy, easy question. Yeah. How how is it with no crowd? Because I feel like on one hand it could be super weird. On the other hand, like I would guess. I mean, if I'm rolling, I don't hear any. Like I shut everything else out. Is it the same when you fight? Yeah, I can I can hear my corners and coaches even when there's like a loud crowd. I don't I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's almost like being underwater or something. Like you can hear certain stuff. Some of it's kind of a haze for for me. I don't really, I don't really trip too much on the um, the fact that it's no crowd because you're in a fist fight, right? Like so, as much as it's cool to have a crowd, it doesn't bother me that there's not one because you know, like what's going on in front of you is taking almost all of your attention. So it's like, you know, I can imagine if you were, I mean. I'm a professional athlete technically, but I don't know shit about sports. Like I don't know anything about, I, I don't know shit about sports. So I'm, I can only speculate wildly here, but I feel like if I was playing baseball or even playing football, even, even a more violent sport like football, um, I would still maybe be weird because you're so used. Cause you know, in football, if you play defense or if you play offense, you know, have to take half the game or so you're not playing. So, right you know, you're in a, you're in, and it's also a three hour game, right? So it's like you play a three hour game where some of it you're sitting and some of it you're playing. And I, I can imagine like the crowd, you know, being weird to sit in an empty stadium. That might be weird. But for me, man, I'm, I'm in a fucking violent altercation. If you got someone trying to punch you in the face, you're not worrying about who's in the stands. Right. I'm in a violent altercation for like 15 to 25 minutes most. Right. So it's like, it all kind of comes crashing in and it doesn't really matter. Like you said, if someone's trying to fucking kick you in the head or slam you on your head or punch you in the face, you're not that worried about um, who's watching, right? It doesn't matter if one person is watching or if a thousand people are watching or if a million people are watching, someone's trying to punch you in the fucking face. That's got your attention. That's got your attention. Right. Right. Exactly. Well, the way that uh, we connected, I heard you, I want to say I heard you on Jordan Breen's show or something like 10 years ago. Oh shit! Really, Jordan Breen is the man. Yeah, I mean, you know Jordan. Well, I don't know. I mean, I know of him. I don't know him personally. Yeah, right. He's a savant, dude. That guy's a. I've never met anyone that's that much of an encyclopedia about MMA, dude. I remember he started on SureDog when he was like nineteen, mm-hmm. and even then, he knew more than everybody. It's insane. You could just be like, "Hey, um, who did Alexander Otsuka fight in two thousand three? Exactly, exactly. <laughs> it's like you know, like your phone or like Facebook or whatever. Instagram will be like on this day 10 years ago, like you could do that. He could basically do that with fighting. He'll be like on this day 10 years ago, uh, in a rural, uh, in a rural city outside of Japan, right. outside of Osaka, there was a four day tournament held and this guy got his eye gouged out. Right, right. This guy, it's, it's incredible. Yeah. And he's, um, he's also hilarious too. And what's crazy is he actually, Jordan Green is that same way with music. Like as much as he can riff about fighting, he knows his fucking music too. I remember he mentioned like In Flames or something like that once. Is that the kind of stuff he's into? Yeah. Well, when I talk, I mean, I don't know. I would imagine a guy like him, he's, you know, he, probably he into everything. Likes, like he's into everything and I'm sure he likes what he likes, but you know, just like the rest of, I, I say a guy like him, but I'm sure a guy like you and a guy like myself, like, you know, the, the taste is like changing. Or, right. 
you know, I, I'm super like, I, I like what I like, but I definitely go through phases where I'm like, I just, I'm really like the last like two weeks. I've just really wanted to listen to R and B and I don't really know why, but I just want to listen to people fucking sing. Right. And yeah. then it could change next month. It could be a different thing. I think he's similar. Like I'm sure he's into a bunch of really hard stuff. When I, when I, we basically almost got kicked out of this casino diner once after a fight. Cause we just sat for like three hours, like just yelling about music and everything else. And the waitresses were not fucking <laughs> you big losers. Got to get the fuck out of here. Yeah. The, the waitresses were like not fans of us at all. Like we, we would just, they like, they like not so politely asked us to shut up. Like, had to have been five or six times over the course of like two or three hours. Could you guys stop being such fucking nerds? A hundred percent, dude. Like we talk about fighting and we both get excited or then like we talk about hip hop. And at that time he was really, uh, really big on death grips. He was trying to convince me about death grips, yeah. which I am a fan now at the time. I wasn't like really, I was aware of them, but I wasn't listening to them very much. And he like, you know, like we would start out at the level we're at now, like talking like two regular human beings and then like he would say something and I would say something. And before you know it, we're both like yelling <laughs> right. over fucking French, over French toast, you know? And it's just like, and the waitress is just like, dude, it's fucking whatever, dude. It's 3 a.m. Can you guys stop yelling about this band that no one cares about <laughs> that fucking, that hasn't been a band for 12 years that like, you know, it's just, you're scaring these fucking old people who are trying to enjoy their mid, their break from the slot machines, you know? So that was where I first heard about you, you know, a long time ago. And then, I don't know, maybe it was like six months ago or something like that. You left some comment about, it was like a pretty obscure joke about like title fight or something like that. And I was like, oh, wow, this guy is not a tourist. Like he knows his shit. You might be giving me too much credit. I don't think of myself as a tourist, but you know, I talk to other people, you know, you talk to a guy, Jordan Green, or, um, I just, uh, I just had my buddy, um, Matt out here from Brooklyn. He, um, he, uh, he's the rat, he, he raps under uh, GDP. He was, uh, he's really stuff, um, on run for cover. He, he's a, he's a fucking legend. Uh, and you hear that guy talk about punk bands and it's just like, so I think it's all relative, you know, I don't think I'm a, like, I think to a regular person, I'm a music nerd. And then to music nerds, I'm a fucking regular person. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You might be giving me too much credit, but I, I do appreciate it. Um, and I still think title fights, one of the greatest bands of all time. <laughs> and, and, and I like, I just thought it was, a um, I thought it was like, common knowledge i just thought it was like me and everyone else thought title bite was the greatest band ever and then i um talked to other people and they're like oh yeah i remember them and i'm like no but they're great right and like yeah they're really good i'm like no they're fucking great right <laughs> and people are like yeah i listen to them i i, I you know i, I listen to them i was like no dude, you don't understand you don't understand dude i like dude i uh funny story i um i met the guitarist from title fight um and he plays in uh, Turnover now, I think. Oh, okay. I, I was in New York. I went to New York to train at Enzo's to train with um, Gary Tonin and, and Donaher and all those guys. So shout out to them. They're fucking awesome. I, I went to go train with them in, in Manhattan. And I went to go see my buddy Matt, GDP, in, um, in Brooklyn. And he took me to a show. And the guitarist from Tunnel Pipe was there. I recognized him at this bar. Uh, I was seeing, uh, we went to go see uh, Narrowhead play. Well, I actually really fuck with Narrowhead. Like, I really like their style. They've been doing some cool stuff. So that was the first time I saw Narrowhead play and the guitarist from Title Fight was there and I played it cool. I just shook his hand and said, oh, hey, what's up? I like just shook his hand and nodded and said, what's up, man? I'm Andre. Cool, man. Nice to meet you. But inside of me, I was just like, I just wanted to, I wanted to just be like a weird, Punish I wanted him. to just 
I wanted to just grab him by the arm and go like, dude, you're really special to me. You know that? <laughs> I wanted to just creep him the fuck out so bad, but I like getting, I completely just, oh, hey, what's up? Yeah, really good. Cool. Hey, nice to meet you. you know? Just because I, I didn't want to be that fucking guy, but inside yeah. I was completely being that guy. Dude, I was just wanted to just do it well what's what's interesting to me about that is i would say there's a pretty fair amount of crossover between like you know hardcore or metal and and fighting but there's not a lot of crossover between you know that scene you know i guess we'll call it pop punk yeah and uh and fighting yeah i don't know what to say i'm a sad boy <laughs> no uh <laughs> I mean, of all the kinds of music that I would imagine a fighter being into, Sad Boy Pop Punk would be close to the bottom of the list. Yeah, I could imagine that. It gets worse, dude, because like Sad Boy Pop Punk is is up there for me. It's some that's probably like my go to, you know, like not now, not in 2020, but like if you did like a pie chart of of all the music I really listen to, it's like 90s gangster rap takes a good chunk of it just from growing up, um, like super like super ignorant modern hip hop, like. Uh, a lot of Detroit stuff, and then obviously a lot of like Bay Area hyphy stuff. Growing up, that was my shit. Um, Northern California hyphy shit. But like as far as rock goes, it's a lot of sad boy pop punk, and then a lot of Midwesty. Oh, dude, like Twinkle Daddy, straight. Like, <laughs> oh man, anything, anything, anything with my anything with uh, Jack Semph in it. I'm just a sucker for. So shout out to Jack Semph, dude. He makes really really great music now just under jackson's but it's not twinkly midwest email are you originally from federal way that's what it said on wikipedia yeah i didn't know that i was born in federal way uh all of my not all of but a lot of my family is still in the seattle area and then we moved to the sacramento area we moved to the sacramento area when i was about 10 or 11 uh and i've grown up in in the sacramento area you know i lived in the city i lived kind of out in the um in the foothills and the cuts of like uh of the Water County and lived other over the city of Sacramento and outside of it. So um Northern California's home. But I gotcha. but I, I have a lot of love. I have a lot of love for the Northwest and I love the Northwest. Yeah, uh, I love the Northwest. I still have like all my, my grandparents and my, my dad and a lot of my family still lives in the SeaTac area. Not the best part of Seattle, but you know, Federal Way has has yeah. gotten a lot nicer. So, you know, good Korean food there too. It's got some rough spots, huh? It's it is what it is. Yeah. I, I like it up there. It's it's not yeah, maybe not the go-to spot to visit if you're in seattle but you know if you like korean food it is like korean food yeah i'm sure i actually don't like asian food oh really i, I don't I, I wish that i did asian food's like not my go-to i think i don't know if i got burned out on it i had like this old hawaiian grandma r.i.p to her but i had this old hawaiian grandma and she would just make like the best teriyaki and different hawaiians and asian foods and i think i had it so much as a kid that i got burned out and i like just haven't craved asian food ever basically like any type of asian food for like 15 years i don't really know why i don't know what it is i'll eat mexican food every day i'll eat italian food um it's not that i dislike asian food i just like i have friends who are like let's do korean barbecue i'm just like ah, we can like i'm not <laughs> well, like, eat, like if you want my wife uh doesn't like to go eat vietnamese food for the same reason she probably grew up with so much of it huh yeah she's just like you know why why would i go to a restaurant and get <laughs> right. that so right, i get it for sure you get you get older and you realize your parents when they said we had food at home like they were right yeah yeah and it is it is better than the stuff you get at a restaurant so how did you kind of get into professional fighting and i guess specifically 
end up at uh, Alpha Male? I was just a fucker as a kid, and I got in fights constantly, and I was just, um, I was angry, and I was fighting, and I, I just have always been a pretty aggressive kid. And um, once I saw the UFC, I was like, I remember watching it for the first time. I was going, all right, cool, that's it. Like, that's what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Like, I wasn't, it was like just, it wasn't like um, a gradual thing. It was instant. It wasn't even like um, some epiphany. You know, it was just like, it was like a switch. It was just like, I saw it and I was like, oh, obviously like, that's that. it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, obviously, why would you want to do anything else? Like in my head, at thir- I was like, seriously, I mean, even today at 30 years old, why would you ever want to do anything else but be the best fighter in the world? Like that's the goal. But at 13, it was like, I couldn't even imagine. And I remember being a 13 year old kid and just, you know, I look back, I must've, I must've seemed like such a fucking just delusional self-righteous douchebag like just a little douchebag because i remember being 13 years old 14 years old 15 years old and you know having teachers pull like getting kicked out of class for being disruptive or not getting good grades or getting in fights and getting pulled into offices and getting talked to by teachers and having teachers give me like you know a stern talking to like you need to pull it together and you need to not hang out with these people and you need to get your grades up. And I remember looking people dead in the eyes and going, no, it's okay. Like I'm going to be a famous fighter. <laughs> like and I think back now at being a 14 year old, being a 14 year old. They're just like, this looking, kid's a fucking lost cause. They're just like, this kid's a fucking idiot. dude. Yeah. Like to look a man in his eyes who, you know, like I'm sure some people dream of being teachers, but a lot of, I, I can tell you that those teachers, a lot of them did not, dream of being teachers sure. because they weren't passionate about it and they weren't especially good at it and they weren't excited about it and you know it's hard obviously that's a whole other topic yeah. like teachers are underpaid and and they're underappreciated and they have one of the most important jobs in the world but these teachers were not and they weren't winning any fucking awards right so well when, when did you realize that you weren't delusional or i guess maybe when did everyone else realize that you weren't delusional yeah. and like oh this is a real thing you're actually pretty good at this I don't, I don't know. I think that part was gradual for me. I knew instantly that it was like, there was just, it wasn't even like a question of like, it's, it's hard. It's hard to pinpoint it because like I said, I had teachers pulling me in the, into the out of class or, or in detention or whatever, and trying to set me straight. And yeah, I'm looking at a guy who basically his life hasn't gone exactly how he wants it. Or, you know, he probably gave up on a dream or two. And I'm, you know, I, I have no life experience or, or very little, betting money is that I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Right. And I'm looking at this guy in his eyes and I'm telling him, no, look like everything that you think is important. I know that you're 40 years older than me and everything you think is important. I don't think it's important and it doesn't matter. And this is all a game to me. And I don't take any of this serious because I know what I'm going to do. Looking back now that I have sort of a, a, a little bit bigger of a picture, like a, a little better, a better view on it. It must've seemed absolutely batshit crazy to me at the time. It was, it wasn't like a thing that I, I think I was, maybe I was delusional, but I was dumb or I, I had that belief, but it was never, there was no question. It wasn't like, I want to do this or I'm going to try to do this. Or, you know, if I train hard, it was just like, no, like I'm going to do this. Like, and it wasn't that I was, um, I had figured out some secret. It wasn't like I was wise beyond my years. <laughs> right. I just knew, you know, it wasn't, I wasn't like, I'm trying to make sure that when I say this, I'm not giving myself any credit. Right. I was just a fucking, I was just a bull in a china shop and I didn't, I was too dumb to question whether this would work out or not. It was just like, no, like I fucking love fighting people. I love being in fist fights. I love confrontation. I love, I love the feeling after you win a fight and you get to be the fucking man for fucking five minutes or whatever. Like I love everything about fighting. No one can tell me shit. This is what I'm going to do. And 
I, th- I was like, I just charged forward and I was, I think I was just too dumb to fail, you know? And there's, a- well, there's still, there's a lot of people that like fighting, but suck at it, you know? Right. Right. I, but that's the thing is they like to watch fighting. Or I mean like dudes that like getting in street fights, but then they go into an MMA gym and like somebody who's been training for six weeks fucking rolls them up. But yeah. But I think those people don't actually love to fight. Right. I think they like that part. They like the idea of fighting. They like the idea of it. They like winning fights. They like being the man. You get, you beat somebody up in a bar. Like, and, and that's not lost on me. Like, you know, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I'm not like, I don't, this isn't, I don't fight for altruistic reasons or something. Like I do want to set a good example for people. I do want to like, you know, inspire kids, uh, you know, maybe kids who grew up like me. I do want to have the financial freedom to take care of my, my people, my family. But I fight because I like getting paid and I fight because I'm good at it. And I fight because that feeling when you win a fight, like some people go their whole lives without ever being a fucking man. You win a fight, you're the coolest dude in the room for however long you're in that room. That's it. Like you, you get to be, you get to be the man for five minutes, dude. Like, and that's five minutes more than some people go their whole lives without ever being the fucking man. Like, I love the feeling of getting your hand raised when you want to fight. Um, and I think that people who get in street fights or fight at the bar or who you know, like neighborhood tough guy, like dudes, I think they love that feeling. But I, I love to fight. Like, I love to learn fighting. I love. I love the feeling of being in a fight. I love physical confrontation. I've always loved it. I love, I love talking shit. Like I, when I was a kid, I was, we'd go out, you know, I was growing up, we'd go to parties and that's what I did is fight. Like we'd go to parties. You were that guy. We, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, like, oh, fuck but, Andre Feely's here. Let's get yeah. out of here. <laughs> <laughs> no, like it, it, it wasn't that I wasn't bullying anybody. I never beat up anybody. You know, we go out and we party. We were we didn't have a lot of adult supervision as kids. We'd run around, we'd party, we'd get fucked up, and you know, we were fucking wild animals. We were all kids, kind of from bigger cities, who had got moved to um, a smaller town outside Sacramento. And we'd go party in Sac, and we'd go party with our friends in the area. But you know, a lot of it, we were in this smaller town, and we were all kids from bigger cities. So we just fucking ran them up, dude. And um, we'd go out Friday, Saturday, Sunday night, party every night, and get in the fight every night. It's just like what we did, and it wasn't like I wasn't picking on anybody i wasn't bullying it was you know i i basically only beat there's there's people out there who are looking for a fight and you'll give it to them yeah yeah i mean i i never i actually that was something i really like was big on when i was young i didn't like bully kids i i only ever really i only ever beat up like kids like i only ever beat up like jock from two parent households <laughs> it's like that was my target like we go to we go to parties and it was a small town so kids Kids would park. It wasn't like a big city, so it was like if there was a party going on, everybody from the area right. was gone. Like three different high schools. So I, my, you know, I basically beat up jocks from other schools. Like, you oh, your parents own like, their house. You don't rent. All right, exactly. let's do this shit. Wow, yeah. <laughs> like you know, it was like it was a lot. You know, and I'm not, I'm not um, saying I was right. I'm just keeping it real. Yeah, I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that I advise this to anyone. But for me, it was my conscience was clear as a kid because you know I would be at a party and there'd be a kid in a letterman's jacket who thought he was super tough and you know maybe he bullied kids or he treated people like shit or he did this and you know it's it's kind of a fucking you know i, I feel like a do saying this now like, this isn't how my brain works now but at 15 or 16 i was like yeah fuck it like let's remind him what the food chain is you know so i would see a kid who i would see a kid who was this big like running back or football player kid who yeah probably came from a good home and fucking his parents had a boat and right on the lake on the sun whatever you know that kind of kid 
like the eighties movie villain right, kid, you know? right. and he'd be at the he'd be at the fucking cave acting like a tough guy, and that any any amount of provocation, I'd be like, okay, let's go outside, you know, let's let and we'd clear the whole fucking house out, and we'd just get into it, and you know, sometimes it'd be me fighting a kid, sometimes it'd be me and my ten friends fighting his ten friends, you know, but. How often did you lose any of those like party fights? Never, <laughs> never in high school, in high school, never. And I know I sound like probably such a douche to people, but you know, never. Well, if you've ever trained with somebody who's like an actual elite tier athlete, you can't do shit to him if you're a normal person. Right. I was training at the time. I've been training since I was 14 or 15, you know? And so, I mean, yeah, especially if you've been training, it's like, it's not even a, yeah, there's nothing. And it, it's a, it was a smaller town too. So it was like, People knew, and sometimes people would want to test themselves. Sometimes people would, you know, you'd hear like you'd go to a party and be like, "Oh, so and so has been saying he could beat he could beat your ass for the last two weeks." But let's figure it out. And in the in the little town that I uh, went to high school in, that was just what you did. Everybody fought. It was just like you know, we'd go to certain there'd be certain parties. Like you know, there's a girl's house we'd all go party at, and she knew everybody in the town. So you knew every you knew. 18 different fucking groups of people were going to be there. And so, you know, you party, you know, you go party your house once every month or two, one, you know, twice a month. And you just know when you get there, yeah. it was fun. I don't know how we got down this track, but the, the point I'm making is I actually loved to fight, you know, and, and I never picked on kids or bullied kids. I only ever fought kids who also wanted to fight or, but I, I loved fighting. Whereas like a lot of guys as an adult, you see guys at the bar trying to be tough. I think they like the feeling of winning a fight, but they don't actually like well, it's like when you when when you see them let their friend hold them back with like one arm, you know, like come on, don't don't you know, hold me back, bro, hold me back. Right. They like making a scene. Yeah. They like being the man for five minutes. They like that. I fucking love to fight. Like I love the feeling. Especially, it's different now. Like you know, I consider myself like a high level athlete, and you know, you, the goal is to win and not take damage. And, yeah. You know, there's it's, it's a different it, different things are at stake now. But when I was nineteen. 2021 when i fought you know if you watch my old fights at fairgrounds outside the ufc they were like someone hits me and i laugh and spit blood and talk shit and and egg and i you know like i love that feeling going up with someone hitting you and you hitting them back and just knowing like look i maybe you like absorbed some diaz dna like there's something in the water in northern california for sure what's funny is for the diaz brothers and, and me and uriah and whoever else you know, kind of came up in Northern California and has that spirit. You know, all the people that are known for fighting, like like all the people I just named, there's a hundred kids who never made it, but like were at those parties with us. You know what I mean? Like, sure. There's just a there's just something in the water in Northern California. Well, speaking of Uriah, how did you end up at at Team Alpha Male, and what was that like to start with? Because I mean, that is one of the toughest fucking rooms on the planet. That was more gradual. I. I was at Faber's by like 19. I was training by 15. I was a pro at 19 and I was at Faber's by right before I turned 20. So that was something that took a little bit of time um, because I, I, I wasn't going to high school in Sacramento and his gym is right in Sacramento. But I always knew that I wanted to train with him. You know, I, I had fought in front of him at a local show and I had talked to him after the show and, and was like, basically, hey, you know, I've been wanting to fight in front of him for a while. Like, you know, he's a local fucking legend around here even then, 10 years ago. So that was like WEC days. Yeah, exactly. He was the fucking man. He still is the fucking yeah. man. He's basically, basically the mayor in Sacramento. But I had fought in front of him. I fought one of their guys, a really good dude. I had asked him after the fight, you know, I, you know, I told him I, I wanted to fight in front of him and, and wanted to train and wanted to go train with those guys. And that was the goal was to get down there and train with him. And he just basically told me, you know, 
he, he talked to me uh, about coming down and training. And then he had talked to the team manager and said, you know, like, how come that kid hasn't come in and trained? And, and the team manager was basically like, you know, he did, he was on the trial. Basically, to train at Faber's place, I was, um, I would do like the, I would try to finesse the like one, the free week membership. <laughs> I'd come back like two months later and get another free mem- free week membership. Uh-huh. And so the team manager was basically like, you know, he's, he's come in, but he, he can't afford it. And so um, Faber kind of let me train on scholarship. I, well, I, you know, I mopped mats and helped or whatever. And, and, you know, I was kind of like the, the punk ass little brother kid on the team. And um, which is cool because now I, I'm kind of the older brother on the team and, you know, I have guys asking me for advice or I'm, you know, maybe not asking me, but I'm giving it to them, you know? And so like, I mean, that's gotta be a step up from the people you're not, I mean, not to put them down, but like, like I said, that is one of the toughest rooms on the planet. And I have to imagine that like, you know, jumping into that has got to be an intense experience. Yeah. I went from what I thought I, I, I thought I never, I've never like not worked. I've always done what I thought was hard work. Right. Like in my head, I was, work, I was, I was working hard. Um, and that was training like three or four times a week around whatever else I was doing. I was like trying, I was like less than half-assing junior college. Like I just like, I was like, I don't even, I can't even really say I was going, but I like <laughs> signed up. I was signed up and I was working a couple of jobs and I was training like three or four times a week. And then I went to your, to, to your eyes place, to Faber's place, um, team alpha male and they're doing three a days. Like I, I'm training three or four times a week. They're training two or three times a day. And I'm like, Holy fuck. At like, a super just, crazy pace. I'm sure. At a crazy pace at a, at a very high level in a, in a room that's very much sink or swim. Yeah. I was used to being, I was used to being the best kid in the room all the time from the time I started basically. Um, because it was, you know, big fish, small pond. And then I'm basically showing up to practice and just getting the shit beat out of me for the first time. You know, how, how did you feel about that? Like, were you stoked on that or? I was so I was so yeah. stoked. I'd come home and be like, tell my friends like, dude, Danny Castillo, dude, Chad Mendez just beat my ass, dude. Like, I just had a good ass round with him. Like, I fucking almost got him in a triangle and yeah. then he postured up and beat the fuck out of me for three more minutes. But like, you know, like I was so happy. If nineteen year old you gives that Chad Mendez a hard time for even a couple seconds, that's a win. Right. It was the natural progression of what I was, you know, it was like, I, I really loved fighting. Like I loved it with my, I still love it with my whole fucking heart. Like whether it was being 15 and fighting at parties just because it was a good time, you know, or whether it was turning pro at 19 and training with favor and winning fights at local casinos, you know, at some fucking basically a chicken coop in the parking lot of a casino. Right. Fighting in, you know, local, more, more organized shows like a uh, West coast fighting, which was a show that was close I was the, the 45 pound champ for them. It's led me to get UFC, you know, fighting for them. And I'm, you know, it's the same goals. Like I'm going to be a world champion at 145 pounds. Like I'm going to be the, I'm going to be the UFC featherweight world champion. That's the goal. There's no question. You know, like I'm pursuing it relentlessly and I'm, I'm going to get it. And that's just the, that's how the mentality has to be. And at every step of the way, it's been that whether I, you know, I, I, I love fighting for the UFC. I love fighting for local shows. I love fighting in parking lots. I love fighting outside of parties. And it's not something that I ever questioned. It would just went once the switch flipped. It was like, that's all I ever wanted to do. Do you ever now? I mean, you don't seem like an angry person to me. Smoke and mirrors, brother. (laughs) Do you you ever now, you know, have the urge to just put it on somebody who cuts you off in a parking lot? Or is that not part of you anymore? Yes, I do for sure. And I I try to keep it in check. Uh, I think I'll always have that. 
yeah, it's, it's not so much people cutting me off or, or doing little stupid things, although that does annoy me, obviously. It annoys everybody. Yeah. But for me, it's more it's two things. I think I'm always going to be, I'm always going to have that anger. At the risk of sounding like a cornball, I think I'm always going to be uh, an angry person. But I think that at this stage, and you know, lots of trial and error, lots of mistakes, but I think at this point I have a handle on it and you know, I've sort of learned to make it, I, I convert it into fuel now, right? Like for something productive instead of like letting it be a self-destructive thing, which is not, it's not a black or white thing. Like yeah. there was a lot, there was a lot of my life where my anger fueled me. There's huge portions of my life where my anger was self-destructive. There's been a good chunk of my life now where my anger is, is fueled to, to accomplish goals and, and to make progress and, and to be a person that I want to be. And then there's this big in-between gray area where, and I think it will always sort of be that, you know, there's this gray area where it's like my anger is pushing me to wake up at 9 a.m. and go fist fight people to get better and, and to train two or three times a day and to work my ass off towards a goal and to stay focused and to eat healthy and to push hard. Um, and it's also, you know, it's also maybe being detrimental to personal relationships or, sure. making, or, or I'm drinking a little too much or I'm, I'm, I'm staying up late eating shitty food and going out and partying, whatever. It's like, it's this mix, this, this kind of um, contradiction, you know? And I think at this stage of my life, I've got a handle on it to where I, I really just use my anger as fuel. And it might sound stupid, but I use it to push me to be a more compassionate person, to be a more driven person, to be um, to be the person that you know, I can be proud of. And, and I think um, we put this emphasis on letting go of anger and forgiveness and um kindness and, and all of these things but it, it's all it's all like you know like kindness and forgiveness and empathy and all these things are the goal right and the way you get to those things is by letting go of your anger and i think for some people for a lot of people that's that's true but i think that for a certain type of person uh, myself included i think that it's counterproductive to to let go of your anger like, i don't think that it can be let i don't it, i think it's something that can't be let go of and so the energy you waste on letting go right right i'm pushing against the river yes exactly yeah. you can you can instead of forcing yourself to let it go and struggling to let it go you can use that energy and have better results instead of just channeling the anger channeling it into into being productive like all right you're fucking angry go run go train right. go go put your go get your road work in you're angry about your situation take a hard look at it and realize that there's people fucking going hungry down the street like what can you do to help them what can you do to help your neighbor what can you do to help your friend what can you do to help your parents you know and, and i fall short i'm not fucking i'm not some great fucking person but i'm a better person now i think a huge part of it is you know maybe a little bit letting go but mostly just focusing and channeling but first a quick word from our sponsors it's time for today's lucky land horoscope with victoria cash life's gotten mundane so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to lucky land you know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandslots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandslots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. 
Hi, this is Chad Nicefield. And this is Justin Press. We're the host of Making Waves, the Shiprock Podcast, a part of the Sound Talent Media Podcast Network. We're inviting you to sail away with us on an epic journey in musical enlightenment. Every week, we bring you only the best artists in rock music and discuss everything from the cruise to the stage to the saga of being a professional recording artist. We'll have lots of special guests along the way, so tune in every week. Your stateroom is available every Monday morning, so welcome aboard. But first, I want to thank DistroKid for sponsoring this episode of the podcast. If you're not familiar, DistroKid is a digital music distribution service that musicians use to put their music into online stores and streaming services. So in plain language, if you have ever wondered how to get your music on iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, YouTube Music, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, and many, many more, there's like dozens and dozens of different streaming services. DistroKid is the way to do it. It is super easy. I have used it to put my music on Spotify. It took me maybe five minutes to like set it up and upload everything. It's legitimately awesome. I am sincerely a fan of this company and their product. And for those of you who have asked, you can also upload your music to TikTok with DistroKid. And if you want a chance to get featured on DistroKid's Spotify playlists, you can do that by submitting a song through Spotlight and getting your fans to vote for you. You can also use Hyperfollow to get more Spotify followers. You can promote your new release as well as Spotify Canvas. That's where there's the video in the background in the player. And when you share it on Instagram, it shares that video too to make your Spotify release pop. And Spotify Canvas is available to all DistroKid artists. Like I said, as you can probably tell from this, like I am sincerely a fan of DistroKid. DistroKid can do everything I just talked about and so much more. So be sure to sign up with my link, which is in the show notes for this episode, to get 7% off your first year. That link is in the show notes of this episode or go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash the punk rock NBA. And thanks again to DistroKid for sponsoring this episode. And let's get back into it. What do you tell yourself like if someone says something shitty to you at the supermarket and you're like, I want to take this motherfucker's head off. What do you tell yourself in that moment? I don't I don't have those I'm gonna take I want to take this motherfucker's head off moment in situations like that. I have like it's two things. That I'm going to take this motherfucker's head off moments come from other situations, like a little more principled situations. And I still have to keep those in check, but little stupid things like someone being rude at the grocery store, cutting you off in traffic or something like that. Like if someone's a dick to me at the grocery store, I, I don't have the urge to beat the fuck out of them because it's like, doesn't satisfy me in any Got way. Like, that's just some regular pun. It's, it's not a. It's not a fight. It would just be right, a beat exactly. Down. Just me being the shit yeah. of somebody exactly. And that's not. If someone's rude to me, I my first thing is to be rude back and be a smart ass and like say something that will stick with them for the rest of the day. You know, like yeah, that's that's my move. Yeah, that's my move. Is just be like a cunt to them verbally. Yeah. You know, and 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 win a, a kind of a verbal battle. Uh, I really enjoy that. I really like shit talking. But I. So my first instinct when someone's rude to me is to be rude back, obviously. Depending on the situation, I feel like if the person deserves it, I'll definitely be rude back and make it uncomfortable. I like making situations awkward and just kind of sit, having to sit around and stew in it because I love confrontation. I love awkward <laughs> situations. Most people don't. No, they sure don't. I feel like it's like there's a lot of people that sort of like to turn it up to two or three, but then if you mm-hmm. turn it up a little bit higher... Five to six. Yeah, get, you get around the seven, people are like, oh, this at all yeah it's interesting how many people like to start it but they don't like to keep going down that road 100 100 because they almost never get checked at the two yeah. or three so if you check them and you raise to four or five they're like i don't like this at all yeah 
So yeah, when those situations happen, if the person deserves it, I definitely will talk some shit and make it uncomfortable and be a smart ass because like, what are they going to do? They're not going to beat me up. Like, right. I'm, you know, like, you know, it's as douchey as that sounds. I can basically say whatever I want. They're not going to beat me up. But they're, right. if they're being a dick to me verbally, I'm going to be a dick back. But you could get shot. I guess I could get shot. Well, that goes both ways. <laughs> um, every, anyone, yeah. anybody can get shot. Sure. Yeah. I, I don't try to take people's head off. I don't try to even, even talking shit to people. I, if it's someone just being a dick, I'll be a dick back. If it's someone who's kind of going through some things, you know, if you can kind of get a read, someone's just having a fucking bad day. I try not to be too shitty. Maybe I'll make a little smart ass joke back or something, you know, like kind of check them on it. But I, I generally try not to be too big of a dick to people. If I can tell they're going through some shit, if they're just being a dick, then I'll be a dick back. Um, I do have situations where I want to take somebody's fucking head off. Um, it's more, it's more about principles for me though. It's more about like, what would be an example of that? So I, I guess the way I'll say it is most of the time I, I, I don't, I don't ever really want to take somebody's head off or, or beat the fuck out of somebody or escalate a situation to physical violence. When that happens, it's more of like, I, it's a, I have to, right? Like the, the urge, the, the, the knee jerk reaction to talk shit to somebody that happens pretty naturally. Sure. By the time someone needs to get beat up, it's a principle issue where I'm like, I'm not thinking like, I really want to be this person. Right, up. Right. It's a principle thing, man. Like a few years ago, this guy, he was another professional fighter. Again, I'm going to say this. And I feel like everything I've said this entire podcast, your fans are going to be like, wow, that guy was a giant fucking douchebag. <laughs> I'm, trying, I, I, I'm trying to not. I don't think you sound that way at all. I appreciate that. There are plenty of douchey people in the fighting world. And I don't think you're one of them. Yeah, there, yeah, there's plenty enough. I appreciate that. So I don't, again, I'm not, I don't, just like getting in fights in high school and shit, I don't condone what I'm about to say. But it, again, it's a principal issue. And I, and I try to be as transparent and honest as possible. So I had a situation a few years ago. A an, dude was posting a bunch of shitty things about my team and about Uriah and stuff on Twitter. He also happens to be a professional fighter, a local guy, but he's a professional fighter. Uh, he was posting a bunch of things on Twitter and on Instagram and just saying a bunch of stuff. I think he was dealing with some substance abuse stuff. He was feeling pretty brave after a bender. And uh, yeah. I basically told him to meet up with me and he did. And you know, we met up at the gym and I told him he'd already been talking a bunch of shit publicly, which, you know, that's, there has to be some kind of uh, repercussion for that. And I told him, okay, like you're a professional fighter. I'm a professional fighter. Let's do this, you know, old school style. You meet up at the gym, you sign the waiver and we get in a ring and I beat the fucking shit out of you. Like, you know, hand, we'll handle it. You know, that's the old way of handling it. I think if we're both grown men and we're both professional fighters, like that's the way as men, that's the way we should handle it. He told me he want, he told me he didn't want to sign a waiver. He didn't want to fight in a, in a gym. He wanted to fight outside in the street. He called me a nigger and he wanted to kill me. So I, so I said, okay, make sure you keep that same energy. <laughs> we pulled up to the gym. I told him, follow me behind the alley. We, I took him to this alley behind the gym. I beat the fucking shit out of him. I beat his ass. I put him to sleep in the alley face down. <laughs> and then his friends had to carry him into his car, right? Grabbed him by his face, slapped him in his face, told him, don't ever fucking mention me again. Don't ever mention the team again. Don't ever say the shit that you said about me again. And I've never heard from him again. But for everybody listening, you got to understand this guy chose that. Right. hundred percent. Like that was his choice. All of it was his choice. He did it, not you. For me, for me. And I'm not saying that this is, again, I don't think you should put people to sleep in alleys. I don't think you should yeah. do that. I don't, I'm not, I'm not condoning that. I'm not saying it's the right thing. I am saying that mutual combat between two adult men is part of life. And he got what he asked for. That's kind of how I feel like a lot of violence at shows, like people cry about it and stuff. And, you know, lots of times it's like, well, you talk shit to somebody who's known for fighting. I don't know what you expected 
to happen. But I mean, this is also, I didn't beat up some podcaster nerd. Right. I, I beat up another professional fighter. Again, I'm not condoning it. I'm not saying it's, I'm not saying that anyone else should do it, but yep. for my personal beliefs, I think at the end of the day, you know, a lot of this, a lot of stuff gets lost through the years. I feel like people might not agree with this, but we live in a time where people get away with saying a lot of Absolutely. things. Absolutely. You know, people, the internet has made everybody uh, basically invincible because you can say whatever horrible, horrendous thing you want and there's no repercussions. Yep. To me, to me as a man, you know, the, the relationship between men and women is different. Men and children is different, but the relationship between men, to me, one of the things that, that defines relationships between men is, is respect, a certain amount of inherent respect. I mean, and respect between kids, respect between men, men, and, men and kids, men and women, men and elderly people, men and whoever. There's always respect between human beings. There's always respect, but there's a certain respect between men because we're monkeys. Yes. We, we, human, human beings are naked monkeys. And if you act a certain way, to an, if you're a man and you act a certain way to another man, you should understand that there are physical repercussions for your actions. Sure. If, you, if you address me in a certain way, if you say certain things, if you threaten physical violence towards me, I'm going to take your word. You're a grown man. If you tell me you want to kill me, I'm going to believe you. Sure. I'm going to take your word for it. If you show up somewhere and you meet me somewhere and you are saying racial slurs and that you want to kill me and that I'm going to take your word for it. Like I'm going to hurt you before you hurt me. There's, there's, a, there's a respect issue um, that I think inherently should be in any relationship between two men because we've, we've, we live in a, a society now where we hide behind screens yep. or we sort of pretend that we're not monkeys, that we're not capable of physical violence and that there's no repercussions for our actions. A lot of this like online shit talking would go away if people had to potentially deal with the consequences of that. hundred percent. Some of the things I've read and not just to me, I'm not going to like play the victim. Like, you know, people have said fucked up stuff to me online, but I, I haven't gotten it nearly as bad as some of the stuff I've seen. I've, I've had friends lose a couple fights and people are telling them they should kill themselves and yeah. they should do this. And if you look at the comments, like, dude, some of the comments to, um, I've been on, I've been on teams with multiple girls in the UFC and. Oh God, I can imagine. You, know, you look yeah. at their, you look at the Instagram comments of people, the stuff they say in the, in the comments, whether UFC posts something or the girl themselves post it. And just like, dude, if this girl was in front of you, you wouldn't say that you would, you wouldn't even have, you wouldn't even interact with her. If yeah. this girl's dad was, if this girl's dad was with, with an earshot, some of these guys even have their own daughters. And I'm like, man, like if you're, it's just the internet makes it. Like imagine your daughter looking over her shoulder as you like type this hateful comment, calling her a fat dyke or whatever. Right. What is wrong with you? You're an adult man. It's crazy. Saying this to a stranger. Right. A stranger. And you're only saying it because you know there's no repercussions. Yep. Like you're only saying it because you know that you know you can get away with it. You know you can get away with it, and you know that you don't have to own it. You, yeah. you just it's it's not even it's not even getting away with it. Like if you walked up to if you people have said something to me things to me online where I'm like if you walked up to me to my face and said that I might not even fucking sock you. I might talk shit back to you yeah. and tell you to fuck off. But I would have a I would have a level of respect for you for saying it. Like if you if you say something with conviction. Because you really believe it. You're like, hey, hey, man, I just want to tell you, you look like shit in your last fight. You look like, bro, <laughs> I would go, I, I would, if you, if you're a stranger and you walked up and you said, I just want to say, man, I think you look like shit your last fight. I think you're overrated. <laughs> I think you should fucking retire. I'd go, I would go, fuck you. Fuck your opinion. You're a dork who's never been in a fist fight. Yeah. I would say that to you. 
but I would also respect the balls that you said that because you because you believed it and you cared enough to say it on the internet. There's no risk on their part. That's that's there's no risk. There's no risk, and they might not even. It's 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 not even that they they know they're gonna get away with it. It's that like they didn't even think of that. You don't even think of it, and there's no real conviction. Like they might not even they might not even believe that. Like they're just saying it to be cunts. Like I see I see people say stuff, and I and I want to like sit down with them and go, "Do you actually believe that? Like, do you actually you not you wouldn't say it in person, but not only because you're scared of the repercussions, because you, you, you don't actually, actually believe mean it. it. Yeah, you don't actually believe it. You would you wouldn't say that. You wouldn't call this girl a fucking ugly slut who can't yeah. fight. Who you hope one of her like. Dude, I've seen some crazy shit. Like, I hope her breast implant pops when she's fine. Just like I've seen a lot of that one stuff where you're like, "What the fuck is wrong with you?" Like, you wouldn't say that in person because you don't want to deal with the repercussions, yeah. but because you also don't actually want to see that. Like, That's the fucked up part. It's so it's so weird, man. It's such a weird thing. One one of the biggest growth experiences for me when I was like 13 or 14 or something, I was at an arcade uh, in Everett, and I was beating this kid at Street Fighter. And I was talking all this shit to him and he was like, dude, if you keep talking, if you keep talking shit, I'm going to punch you in the face. And I was like, yeah, right. So I kept talking shit to him and then he just looked at me like, all right. And he punched me in the mouth. <laughs> and, I, you just, and you were like, and then, dude, and then you were like, okay, I'm not going to do that. To yeah. Time, I was right? like, oh, I didn't actually think that was a potential outcome of this, but... Yeah, for sure. Hmm. And that happened to be a couple more times, like after I moved to Cleveland, where people definitely don't play that shit. And then I learned everything we're talking about here is like, you can say whatever you want, you know, just understand that it's... There's repercussions. Yeah, it's it's not just words. Like, there's you got to answer for it. And, and you might be able... And if you're prepared to answer for it, talk all the shit you want. Exactly. Another thing I noticed was like, after I lived in Cincinnati, which is a real... At least when I lived, there was like a super violent place. It was like... Yeah. The most murders of you know per capita of the year i lived there and i i moved from cincinnati back to seattle and i was like tripping out on how aggressive people were in traffic here like honking and yelling and stuff and i was like what the fuck is wrong with people here and i realized like if you do that in cincinnati there's a super good chance somebody's gonna pull a gun on you yeah for sure or hop out and beat yeah and i'm not saying that's good it's it's not good. good but it dictates it's like uh it's like my buddies, I, my, my girlfriend recently asked, she's like, how come they, how come they let people in hockey fight? Like, how come they let them fight? And I don't play hockey. I'm not a big hockey fan, but I have, I train with Canadian guys who are hilarious dudes. Canada's a, a fucking special place because everyone's so polite, but everyone's also pretty down to punch. Like they're tough as fuck. Yeah. I told my girlfriend, I was explaining the way that it was explained to me. I just, I just had this conversation a couple days ago. The reason they do that is because it, sets the president for the game like it, it keeps the game flowing right like instead of having a bunch of basketball players like trying to pinch each other and slap each other's hands <laughs> and like falling on the ground like literally trying to pinch each other so that i, I talked to a guy in high school he was like, yeah, what else? dude i always my my wife and i always talk about this is like in the ufc like what if you pinched the guy to get him to like you know open his guard or something and what's he gonna be dude. say to the ref like he's pinching me dude, 100%. not the worst idea i'm not saying i'm not gonna try it but i literally like dude i talked to a kid in high school right like just to just just I know I'm ranting a little bit here, but I promise I'll tie it together. So I talked to a kid. I remember talking to a kid in high school because I was, I was fighting a bunch and I was, I was wrestling and I was doing combat sports where you like the whole purpose is to hurt the other guy and, and not have him hurt you and definitely not show him. If he does hurt you, definitely keep a yeah. poker face and not let him know you. 
So I watched these basketball players flop around and I'm like, dude, what the fuck is up with fouls? And he told me all these little tricks. Like, and when he's guarding someone, he'll pinch their side. So they squat his hand and get a foul. Oh. <laughs> and I remember just thinking like, what kind of chicken shit? Like, I just couldn't wrap my head around it. Right. But you have people flopping on the ground Pinching. and doing all kinds of stupid <laughs> shit and talking shit. And you have basketball players like talking shit and getting aggressive, but no one ever punches anybody. No one ever punches. Anybody. Almost never is a real punch thrown, right? People might shove or talk yeah. shit. Almost never is a real punch. thrown. You don't have that posturing in hockey because people will punch you in your fucking mouth. Right. And, and the people around you will let you get punched in the mouth for being a dickhead. If you're, if you're roughing up the main scorer and you're, you're being a dick to a guy who's not a bruiser and you, whatever you you do someone else will come in and check you they have enforcers like it keeps the flow of the game going there's something to that there's something to that man there's something to repercussions for your actions like and that's always been this that's always been something in the in the in the natural world and we've gotten away from it because we forget that we're monkeys yeah we forget that we forget that because we you know we have we have fucking teslas and iphones and podcasts and all this shit we think that we're different and we're not and the problem is that that enables all kinds of shitty behavior that makes everybody's life worse right and so a little a little bit of fighting here and there might actually make life better for everybody a hundred percent even the idea of you can't be a cunt to people without any repercussions like that idea i think would i think positively affect i'm not saying go out and beat the fuck out of people but i'm saying no 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 the idea the idea of repercussions for your actions and for your words. Because what people also forget, other than that we, we are naked apes, they also forget that words are words are symbols of ideas. Mm-hmm. It's the reason that me and you as friends, I can say something, I can say the exact same words to you in a way that we laugh, and those exact same words say to someone else I don't know, and it's it's fighting words, right? My girlfriend and I will joke about something, that if my grandma heard, she would be disgusted that I said that to my girlfriend, right? Like if you read it, it's, it's the same way that, you know, it's like words are symbols of ideas, right? It's not just like what you say, it's how you say it. And it's what, it's your intention when you say the word, right? So if you're just spewing venom about someone, the idea is not like, oh, I just said, it's the internet makes these words hollow, right? You can just say any horrible thing. And it's like, well, I just said words. It's like, no, no, those yeah. words fucking represent ideas that people have died for and have been killed over and have fought wars over and the words words mean something right like words words are symbols for ideas and if you're just i mean people people do kill themselves over horrible things that people say on the internet it's real it's a real thing um it's weird man we're living in such a weird time you know it's it's funny that that's something that that i think we talk about you know people forget that we're naked monkeys i think the older i get the more obvious that becomes like all the different kind of you know cognitive distortions that people have and just you just like we keep doing this dumb thing over and over like when everybody like for example junk food like literally everybody knows that you shouldn't eat donuts like there's not a person alive that doesn't know that doesn't know that yeah that knows they're awful for it they're just nothing there's nothing there's nothing yeah and yet there's nothing in them that's nutritious there's there's zero reason and yet we all eat donuts oh yeah if you if you had if you had a box of donuts in front of me right now i would eat one and I would tell myself that that's, I'm going to eat this, I'm going to eat this maple bar and that's it. And, and then I would eat it. And then I would make an excuse as to why I would, I would, I would be, uh, then I, then I, well, that glazed one looks really good. Yeah, just I really like ones. glazed, but then I'll do, I'm going to do the second one. That's it though. No one needs more than two donuts. And by the time I was, and by the time I was finishing my third donut, 
I would be disgusted with myself, right? Like we all do it. We all like And if we can't even stop ourselves from doing something as simple as not eating a donut, what does that say about us? For sure. We're idiots. We're just dumb animals, the same as you put a bowl of food in front of a dog and he's going to eat the whole thing until he barfs. I could literally put a bowl of chocolate and grapes in front of my dog. <laughs> that's that are po Those are both poisonous yeah. to dogs. He would, he would eat the entire bowl and be so happy about it. He would, <laughs> he would want more. We're naked monkeys and we're walking around with the mask of humanity on and we're and we're pretending that we're not naked monkeys. And the, what really made me see that was um, when the coronavirus hit. It was getting weird, right? Like right when it first hit, people were like panic buying stuff. Yeah. And I went to the store. I meal prep. So I buy a bunch of food at once and I make it for the whole week. I'm buying a bunch of food. The normal amount that I buy, but it's more, you know, it, it looks like a lot. So I'm. it's funny because I'm like, damn, I look like these people panic buying. And there's nothing wrong with panic buying. Sure. You know, like you stock up, you know, uh, not, not shaming panic buyers, but I'm saying like I was in the middle of it. I have a cart full of groceries. I'm walking around and I can feel the tension. Like I can see people's masks slipping. I can see yeah, their fangs yeah. starting to show. Yeah. I, I was walking. They're like, oh, he's got a lot of meat. Exactly. Is dude. there going to be enough left for me? It, dude, I felt it. Like I saw awkward reaches for things like, oh, there's only a couple more milks. I better grab, better get to, right? I'm so glad that this happened for that reason. Because, <laughs> no, I'm serious. Because when we look in the mirror, we see the mask and we forget that it's there. And mm -hmm. people need right. to know what it's like to go to a grocery store and not take it for granted that they can buy whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. They just have, you just get avocados all year round and you never question in it. like you Minnesota. Just, yeah. In Minnesota, infinite amounts of fresh seafood and you live in Phoenix, right? Like it's, yes, we should be confronted with the fact that that's not real. That, yeah, we, that like we build nature, we build these things up. Right. And we forget that we are actually still in nature. Exactly. As soon as you walk out, as soon as you walk out of your door, you're in this world, you're in, you're in a world that's. Even even in your own four walls, if you run out of food, you got to get you know if the grocery store yep. shuts down, you run out of food in your house. Like it's a scary thing, and I don't want people to starve. I don't want people to go hungry. But that awareness, I think, brings us back down to a level where we're not as big of cunts to each other, or 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 or, or the worse. opposite. Yeah, it brings us down to a level where we're ready to slit each other's throat, so that when things are scarce, we realize okay we're animals and we'll slit each other's throat so which makes us be less cunts to each other when things are good it makes us appreciate things when they're good yep when life is too easy it makes people people don't know what to do with that we weren't built for an easy life dude i could not agree more man i was walking through this grocery store with all this shit in my cart and i literally like <laughs> i'm like i still like as much as i want to make progress as a human i'm still like totally a 15 year old like fucker inside of my soul <laughs> Because I was in the situation where I just like could feel the tension. I could feel the tension. And I was like, I wonder if I just screamed and started running <laughs> the whole room. You could literally feel the tension. And I want to just go, I want to just go <laughs> and start running around like panic grabbing things and, and wheeling my cart around and sliding my car around corners. It was like all this fucking like kindling was set. And I knew if I just got a spark, it would just erupt. Like I knew if I just started running around screaming that that Safeway would be in flames and within 30 minutes, like, yep. obviously I didn't do that, but it was, it was, it was crazy to me because I'd been inside that grocery store every week for however many years. I'm a creature of habit. Like it's part of my routine to go get the stuff to meal prep, same food every fucking week. Yep. And I had taken it for granted and everyone else had taken it for granted. And I walked in there and it was like a fucking 
African watering hole, dude, where everybody's ready to kill everybody else to make sure that them and their kids can eat. And it was a crazy thing. And I watched people's masks start to slip. And which to connect back to all the other stuff we talked about, that's why I think fighting is valuable and why I think it's a good thing for people to do some sort of combat sport because mm -hmm. you were reminded of the fact that there are people out there who could kill you and there's nothing you can do about it. Right. And that the only reason that that works. The re only reason this society works is because we all at one point agreed not to be cunts to each other. Exactly. Because we're like, you know what? Let's chill the fuck out instead of trying to kill each other because that would be a shitty life. Otherwise, it would be you guys my size and your size banding together so that when a dude Brock Lesnar size comes <laughs> over, he doesn't take our food and our women. We'd have to drop a rock on his head. Right. Like that's <laughs> why people started that's why people started 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 sharpening sticks and yep. shit. Is because there's guys my size and your size who don't want to deal with guys Brock Lesnar size taking all our shit. Brock right? Lesnar like, knows we've got water. This is bad. Yes, this is bad, dude. This is bad. We've, we've got water and food, and we haven't almost died in three days, so <laughs> now's about the time that Brock Lesnar comes around to take all our hard work away. 100%, man. That's society in a nutshell. And in those scarce times, people start showing their teeth, and, it's an, and we could either you know let it put us into panic, or we could let it act as a reminder to double down on treating each other with respect and keeping things moving forward. I think, yeah, man, I think, I think there's something to be said. I also think, I mean, I just think fighting is good for humans. Like you said, we're not meant to have no strife or struggle in our life. We, we're not made for it. Cause we'll create it. If it's not there, we'll just invent bullshit. A hundred percent. I think all the outrage culture, I think all the canceling thing shit, I think that comes from people not having enough. If you are starving, you don't give a shit that someone said something that offended you. you you're not even, not, not only that, if you're hungry or you're fighting for your fucking life, you can't be offended. Just, like you can't, <laughs> right. no one can say something that can offend you. Like it's you like, can't be offended. You're huh? like, motherfucker, I'm yeah. hungry. I'm hungry. I don't care. Like, I don't like, I can't be offended if I'm, my basic needs aren't met. Right. So it's like some guy crawling through the desert, you know, that hasn't had water in like 48 hours and you come over and call him a nasty name and he gets up and he's like, what the fuck did you say to me? Or exactly. hundred percent. doesn't happen. Like, I mean, even, and, and it's a weird thing because, you know, it's like, there's, there's a little bit of, there's a little bit of black, a little bit of white, and, and there's a lot of gray, like all these other big issues, you know, whether it's the coronavirus or even like, can't, or even cancel culture, or even like, uh, you know, you look at situations like people being offended over stuff that wouldn't probably wouldn't even get their attention if they weren't sitting at home with nothing to do. Yep. I guess when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail, but I'm like, man, if you guys start doing jujitsu, you would, you wouldn't be worried about any of this shit. Same thing with all the police brutality stuff and the race stuff and all the horrible things we've been seeing. Like, you know, I've been pretty, pretty public of not super pro cop. I think they're a necessary evil in our society. I, I don't wish, I think about the cops the way that like, 49ers fans think about the Raiders like I hope they all get, I hope they all get home safe but I hope they lose every time you know what I mean like yeah. I, hope, I don't want anything bad to happen but and I understand you know I, I know guys I train with guys who are cops great guys sure. whatever without without getting too into that I see these horrible things happening and I see cops it's obviously a race issue it's a social economic socio-economical issue but I also think it's a fucking combat sports issue I think it's the training issue I think it's I think it's like if you had these cops who are sitting on people's knees and beating people with sticks and pulling their guns at anything, if you had the confidence to know that you could handle yourself in a situation, if you had trained, if you if you knew jujitsu and you knew how how sitting on someone's carotid artery worked, you would have less people being murdered. My coach is a cop who teaches a grappling program for this exact reason. Yeah. Because you see these situations and it's clear that in most of them the cop has no fucking idea what they're doing no idea they're like a fat white belt trapped on their back exactly dude and they're just they're just flailing, terrified 
flailing. They're terrified. Yeah. They, they have no, they have no body awareness. They have no understanding of this is the thing. People think that fighting and jujitsu and wrestling and kickboxing, Muay Thai, they think all these things, it's just you punching me and me punching you back. When you study something like, you know, not just jujitsu, but we'll use jujitsu as an example. When you study jujitsu, you're also studying biology. You're, you're studying, not, not biology, but you're studying the human anatomy. Yep. You're studying your own body. You're studying other people's bodies. You're studying, you, know, you, you understand body mechanics. You understand, you're, you're studying physics, how it relates to the body, right? You're yep. understanding even, even geometry to a sense, right? You're working with, ang- yep. fighting is all angles, right? You're learning all these things. And it's, it's not like, you know, you're not getting, <laughs> you're not, you're not a fucking mathematician. But you, you learn like, oh, if I push this way, it's strong. If I just push from this way, it's weak. Right. You're not getting a PhD in, in physics, but you're understanding physics and how they relate to the human body. Yep. You're, under, you're understanding the human anatomy and how it relates. Like to I'm the not going to sit on this guy's knee in this way because it's probably going to hurt him. Right. I'm not going to sit my shin bone across this guy's carotid artery yep. because I know that you can cut circulation off even with one carotid artery. Yep. I think we've gotten away from that. And I hate to like have all this fucking, I hate to be a guy who's putting out fucking mad boomer energy, but I think that (laughs) uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how you identify. It doesn't matter your political views. It doesn't matter whatever. I think understanding that we are monkeys and that if we don't respect each other, things can get violent very badly. And I think that, understanding the way that your body works and another person's body works and and having the confidence to know that you can protect yourself with just your body against someone else's body. I think those are valuable things. I think we've gotten away from them. And I I have a 15 year old sister. uh, So I'm 15 years older than her and we're super tight. That's my, I'm, I'm, I love all my, I love all my siblings, but for this example, she works the best because she's this like badass, like artsy liberal chick, She's a, she paints, she does all this stuff. She's like, she's into punk. She, she's, she's a total badass. I'm teaching her to skate. Like she's, you know, uh, she, she's fucking rad, but she's 15. So like, I've always considered myself super liberal, you know, and I, I, I still feel that, but I, I think as I've gotten older, I've come a lot more center. Like I, if you ask me now, I, I don't like to identify in these terms, but if you gun to my head, and I need it. And if you gun to my head, you got to, I got to tell you where I fall. I think I'm center left, but I talked to my 15 year old sister. She <laughs> yeah. thinks you're like super uptight. She thinks I'm a, she thinks I'm a fucking, she thinks I'm like, dude, she thinks I'm just a, like, she looks at me like a, like an old white Republican. Man. Like <laughs> right. she, hear, she hears my views and she just looks at me like, Oh, she just like, I can just see her calling me a boomer in right. her head. You know what I mean? Right. Like, doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I'm gen Y. It doesn't matter that I'm only like, 15 years older than her and i like it doesn't matter that i remember being being her age like i remember it vividly i'm a total boomer like i'm a total like i'm basically a fat old republican white guy to her (laughs) but i notice more and more and i say all that to say this like i i I notice more and more there's stuff that i identify that i've always self-identified as that i've always thought okay like i'm with this group of people like i'm with uh, i'm on the left i'm on this i'm on that and more and more I see this loss of toughness. I see this loss of, of almost like this, the, the tether to reality has been lost, right? Where it's like, yes, that's a great way to put it. It used to be like, I'm, I'm, I'm on the left because I believe in, in taking care of people. And I believe that the people in charge don't have our best interests. I grew up poor in America. So being liberal is what I, I that's, it's a by default basically. Yeah. I'm like, you know, like, I want a piece of that. I want 
a piece of that that I'm not getting. I, 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 I want to stand up for the little guy. I want to fucking create positive change. Like all these things that I still, in my heart, I still believe. But it was like being liberal was like, being being on the left was kind of like it was kind of gangster. It was kind of punk. Yeah. It was kind of like fuck the establishment. Not it was like, anymore. Fuck you fuck yeah. that. Now, yeah. Now, now it's so it's so sensitive and it's so cancelly yeah. and it's so and 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 all these things I think are they they started out as as noble ideas, right? Like the whether it's whether it's uh you know whether it's me too stuff, whether it's how you whether it's identifying, whether it's gender stuff, whether it's police brutality, whether it's these these noble causes where it's like let's create positive change, and it's gotten so far that it's like I've, I'm at a point where I see people saying things i want to agree with but they're doing it in a way where i can't i can't like i, I don't want to be yeah on that i can't be on your side right like you know what i'm saying yeah and i and i i talked to my 15 year old sister and i try to instill these things in her like you know it's okay to to feel this way it's okay to stand up for the little guys and okay to do this but it's okay to be tough about it it's okay to be a badass about it it's okay to be in your face about it. it's okay to not be offended by every single thing you know it's okay to it's okay to let someone who might actually be on your side it's okay for them to maybe slip up and say something or say something the wrong way and not crucify them not hold it against them for the rest of eternity a hundred percent i said man i i i feel i've changed so much in the past six months in the past year in the past two years i've changed more from 28 to 30 than that maybe i changed from 25 to third, right like from 20 to 25 was a big change but like 25 to 28 whatever like 28 to 30 has been i feel like i'm not a different person but i've 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 changed so much it's like man there are things that 28 year old me said that i'd be like good god I don't. <laughs> sure. that was two years that was yeah. two years ago yeah. and i'm like if i could sit down with 28 year old me i'd be like listen i know that you are basically the same age as me but you're a fucking idiot you don't know anything right so it's like it's okay to not be offended it's okay to um not crucify people it's okay to um not everyone who disagrees with you is a nazi yeah. right like things like that i'm sorry I'm, I'm ranting a little bit but it, there's so much there's so much that that's it's hard to not go down that rabbit hole when you start talking about it because it's there's so many things like there's so many issues right now that are that are, that are big right now well that sounds like a good place to end it we could we could rant all day i'm sure awesome conversation but we all have shit to do so thank you very much for joining not me dude come on keep <laughs> talking for another five hours this isn't joe rogan <laughs> uh, i think you're overestimating how bu- you're over you're overestimating how busy i am dude <laughs> well i'm busy anything that you want to uh, add or plug before i let you go no man i just uh, appreciate the time hopefully um people enjoy the conversation if you guys want to follow me or whatever i know i'm supposed to give you my instagram uh it's just touchy feely on everything t-o-u-c-h-y-f-i-l-i i got my brand outcast and underdogs and uh i'm gonna be making some more music soon with my band uh born breach so yeah check all that stuff out or don't if you don't want to i don't blame you <laughs> i feel like everybody i feel so corny like throwing stuff out because every everywhere you turn everybody's shoving something in your face like, i do this i do that so check it out if you want i appreciate it if not it's all good i still love you and last but not least let's do a few q a's from Limeide, how and when did you go from a hardcore kid without any idea of a life path to wanting to pursue graphic design Well, when I was younger, I kind of knew that I wanted to do something creative for a living, or at least that's what I thought. Like, if you would have asked me when I was, you know, 10 what I wanted to be when I grew up, I would have said an artist. 
I had no idea, you know, what that meant or looked like. You know, I didn't, it's not like I had this idea in my head that, oh, I'm going to be a painter and have gallery shows. You know, I, I just, I enjoyed drawing and I just sort of vaguely had some idea in my head that I guess that's what I wanted to do for a living, but really that's about it. When I was maybe, I guess, 18 or 19, after I had moved to Cleveland and fucked up my life, I was working at Office Max for like $6 an hour or something like that, uh, kind of not really sure what I was going to do. I don't actually remember how I discovered that graphic design was a job. I think I might have come across this magazine that maybe it's still out, it's called Print, because back then, you know, if you're a graphic designer, you did a lot of print stuff. I think I discovered that, and then there's another magazine called How, and from reading those, I sort of got the understanding that people could make graphics on a computer and get paid for that, I think. I don't actually remember, but once I discovered that that was a path, I just went all in on that. Uh, I managed to save up the money for a computer, which was really hard at the time since I was like flat fucking broke. And I read all those magazines at the library and just tried to like copy everything I could from those and, you know, did a couple flyers and record covers for friends' bands. I made zines. I basically just tried to make as much stuff as I possibly could to get better at being a designer. And I wouldn't say I was great. I would say I was like maybe mediocre at best, but I got a little bit better and a little bit better and a little bit better. And then eventually I went to school for it and I got pretty good. And, you know, that was it. So. I guess the takeaway there is if you want to do something, the best way to start doing it is to start doing it, which I know sounds kind of like circular logic, sounds like a catch-22, but I think that's just kind of the way it works. From Stephen Peoples, how come you have never talked about 21 Pilots before? I know they're incredibly successful and plenty of other YouTubers have done lots of videos on them, but their blend of rock, rap, and electronic instrumentation seems like something you would cover considering your open mind to different kinds of music. Good question. There is really no particularly good answer to this other than I just always forget that they exist. I don't really know why. I remember I lived in Columbus when they were like coming out back in maybe 2011 or something like that when they were like a local band and Substream covered them a little bit and I never thought they would get anywhere, but obviously I was wrong. I, yeah, I, I totally should do a video about them. There's no reason why I shouldn't or wouldn't. I just keep forgetting that they exist, to be honest. I will say that it seems, well, there are two reasons, I guess. One is that, like you said, lots of other people have done videos about them. I'm not sure what I could add that other people haven't said before because I don't know really a ton about them. Also, I feel like their hype has died off. Maybe if they make a new album or something like that, that would be good timing. But yeah, good question. From someone with a Greek or Cyrillic name that I'm not going to try to pronounce, what do you think about musicians' aging process in comparison to people not in the industry? Is there any noticeable difference? Is it common to behave not like you're an adult person for metal and hardcore musicians in 35 to 40? Well, I'll answer that in reverse order. <laughs> yes, it's totally common for people that age in the music industry to act like teenagers. And the reason why is because to your question about the musician's aging process in comparison to people not in the industry, 
I think that, as I've said before, that old saying that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with uh, is 100% true. And the thing with music is that it is a young person's game, for one. And as I've talked about before, there's a lot of dysfunctional people in music. A lot of, you know, you don't, especially in like metal and hardcore and stuff like that, or, you know, even rap, like you don't get into bands called Terror and Death Threat and Hate Breed because you're happy and because everything is okay. So you go into it with probably some issues. And, you know, I would include myself in that. And that's fine. But the problem is that your peer group is also kind of going through a lot of the same things. And you're spending time outside of the normal process of socialization that would help you grow up. So like if you're in a band and you're living on the road, hanging out with other bands, going to shows, like you're basically in this parallel universe, this little bubble of other dysfunctional people, like you're essentially living in a van, you know, and you're nocturnal. And the only time you see people is at night, at you know, venues when you're all drinking. And, you know, that is not a healthy environment, I would say. And I understand, you know, that that's, I'm not judging, you know, if people enjoy that lifestyle, that's totally cool. Like if you're, you, I think everyone should do what makes them happy, but I just really don't think it's healthy uh, for a lot of people. It definitely doesn't help people grow up. I mean, this is why, to your point, you meet a lot of people who are, you know, musicians that are like 38 or something, and they're still mentally 19 because they were never around other people that would help them grow up. They're around other people that are stuck at the age of 19, and, you know, that's just kind of the way it goes. So I know a lot of people are not going to like to hear any of this, but I just think it's the truth and it has to be said. And if you are a musician, you know, don't surround yourself completely with other music people. It's not healthy. Find a way to get out there and socialize with some, you know, some civilians. All right, my friends, that does it for this episode of the podcast. If you made it this far, thank you. Thank you for listening. We sincerely appreciate each and every one of you. If you want to help the show, there's a couple things that you can do. First of all, share it on social media. If you share it, tag us, tag Finn McKenty, that's me, and tag Deanna Chapman, that's a producer. Second thing you can do, if you really, really, really love us and really want to support us, you can support us on Patreon. There's a link to that in the show notes. You can leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you're listening to this, or you can do none of that. And you can just sit at home, think about how awesome this podcast is. That works too. Again, thank you very much to each and every one of you for listening. We sincerely appreciate it, and we'll see you next time. This is the story of Whitney Houston. This is the story of Kurt Cobain. Of George Michael, of Otis Redding, of Amy Winehouse, of Michael Hutchins, Bob Marley. This is the story of Prince. It's a new podcast series. About how they died, why they died, and why we're still talking about them so long after. It's like nothing you've ever heard before. It's storytelling. But it's more than that, because rock stars... They tell us how we feel. They change our mood. They change the clothes we wear, the people we hang out with. The way we remember things. It's them who give us those ludicrous moments, the ones where you're... Jumping around, singing your heart out, feeling understood. And it's those moments we'll help you remember, the ones you're thinking about right now. That feeling. That feeling. It's coming soon from Crowd Network. Just search for Death of a Rockstar on your podcast app. And subscribe now. 
number you have reached is 100.7 WMMS. It wasn't just a radio station, it was a lifestyle. Cleveland is, is a rock and roll city for sure. Get down! The Wrath of the Buzzer. WMMS. Cleveland. The rise and fall of one of the most iconic radio stations in America. Profiles, The Wrath of the Buzzard, P-R-O-H Files. Subscribe now wherever you get podcasts.